everybody and especially to see a lot of visitors um in today at church also we've got something special i believe for the kids it's uh, which day is it today children's day so can we give a big hand for our kids but you know keep in mind that we were all once children too right so it's 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 for all of us right uh, whatever age we still uh, rejoice that you know that once lord you know had blessed us into this world and now many of us are parents and many of your grandparents and but we were once all children okay so i kids i think i sense there's some goodies floating around i think so okay but 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 let's let but we need to listen to the sermon okay and uh, after that probably goodies would come okay so we're going to go for um, today's sermon but you know what thank you justice for reading the word to us i just have to do a bit of housekeeping keeping to keep my timer in check otherwise um, uh, last week brother jerry spoke to us um, from the word and uh, do you remember the 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 essence of the message last week discipleship right yeah uh it's about becoming a disciple living as a disciple and dying as a disciple of Jesus Christ all the days of our life that should be our pursuit right um that we would at the end of our days say that you know what i lived for jesus i am a true disciple of the lord taking taking things forward you know uh today's passage is going to be a little bit more interesting it's going to add into what jerry spoke last week but there's an interesting twist over here about commandments which commandment to follow okay and that's something that we also like to hear right which law is good which law is not good which law can we work over or go under you know all those things are normally and you know kind of we try to we try to negate through all of that we try to go through all of that now just a bit of a context about where we are at um okay you know this is a place from mark chapter 12 28 to 34 mark chapter 11 and mark chapter 12 and a little further down we can see that Jesus is in Jerusalem okay and he's in the temple area right now after 3 and 1/2 years of Jesus' public ministry we have now come to the last week of Jesus' life so that's where this passage is at okay now he's teaching in the midst of hostility he's teaching in the midst of leading priests teachers of the religious law and the elders you know these three groups actually constituted the 71 member high council so they were in fact very difficult people to deal with there were controversies brewing a uh, brewing you know if you look at chapter 11 and 12 you know there was a questions about whose authority are you doing these things jesus you come to the temple area and you think you know it all they question they asked who are you and the other thing that came up was that jesus gave a parable of the evil tenant farmers there were the questions of who like taxes for caesar and then there was a question on resurrection that the sadducees wanted so there was a lot of tension in there you can sense the tension there were controversies there was tension and people were watching jesus what is this man going to say now in the midst of all of this there is one leader or one teacher of the law asking one of the most important question in the temple area and which is of all the commandments plural of which is the most important singular of all the commandments which is the most important one 
That's the passage that we read. And Jesus responds, okay, he says, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. I assume that many of you have had a sandwich. Okay, if you go to Subway, you have a bread at the top, you have your filling in the center, and a piece of bread at the bottom. The kids enjoy ice cream sandwich. You know ice cream sandwich? Yeah. You have a cookie at the top, you have your ice cream in the, in the, in the middle, and the cookie at the bottom. Now, that is one package. You can't split it. Then it can't be called an ice cream sandwich. It cannot be called a sandwich. Right? So these commandments, the question is, of all the commandments, which is the most important one? And Jesus... You know, he takes them back at the temple area to the Shema, to what's mentioned in Deuteronomy. And I just want us to look into that. This is what Jesus takes them back to. He says, and you must listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. The bottom piece is do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite and love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You know, the Torah is Genesis to Deuteronomy. There are 613 separate commandments in the Torah. Okay, separate commandments. The Jewish leaders normally frequently discussed as to which were the most important than the other. Now, keep in mind, they were not, they were, they were not saying that all the commandments were unimportant, but some of the commandments were recognized as most fundamental than others. That is why the religious leader who asked Jesus the question, which of these commandments, which one is the most important one? Let's look at the first commandment. Okay, I'm just going back. Um, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Okay. You know, Jesus' response combined two separate two widely separate commands from the Torah as the greatest commandment. The two commandments are not independent, but are associated and intimately intertwined with each other. The Shema, the, the word Shema in Hebrews means to listen. That's why it starts. What? Listen, O Israel. If you look at the, if you look at the passage, listen, O Israel. That is the basis of even the Jewish nation. That is the basis of what Jesus was teaching. That that's what Yahweh expected out of Israel. Now, the first commandment corresponds to the first, ten, the first part of the Ten Commandments in Exodus. And it deals with the person's relationship to, relationship to God. Now, why did Jesus have to say, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone? In a couple of weeks back, um, Ben spoke about, you know, the deity of Christ, right? You know, and a couple of weeks before that, Tobin had spoken, Raven had spoken about some. So you see these themes running through, right? From Old Testament, we're moving into the, we are in the New Testament and you see these themes running through. You know, Jesus was trying to put, uh, bring out something very, in, very clear to the Jewish leaders and the teachers of the law in the temple area. You can discuss about everything. You can discuss about the most controversial of all things. But let's get back to the basics. Jesus was bringing about the, mono, the oneness of God, monotheism. There's no other God but Yahweh. 
monotheism. That means the oneness of God. This is the foundational to the Jews and to Christians and even to the church as a whole, right? This is the basis of the command to love the Lord. Our primary responsible to the one God is to what? Is to love him. Jesus was encouraging the Jews is love this God. And how do you love this God? Passionately with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, church, there are multiple ways to love God, right? Um, there are multiple ways, ways we can love God. Now, but I just want to focus on two things just for today is how do we love God emotionally? Or are we not supposed to love God emotionally? We need to have emotions involved, right? If there's no emotions, then how do we call love? Isn't that true? And how do we love God personally? Jesus is trying to teach this in the temple area discussion. He's trying to tie it all this well and says, you know what? This is what I want you guys to do here. I know you're going to crucify me, but here. Now we are people who have emotions, right? And seeing, even looking at all of us, there are some of us who wear the emotions on our sleeve like me. I think many of you have seen that. But some of us who don't wear emotions on our sleeve. No, we take time. We express um, the emotions very differently. Our affections very differently. Isn't that true? Yeah, we are all wired differently. Now, at the same time, we express our emotions and affections to God. Right? Anybody can say, well, I love God without emotions, without affections. If that is not there, then there's something amiss about that relationship. Isn't that true? I'll give an example. Kids. Now, we can train up our kids, okay, uh, to know the scripture. We can train up our kids to be part of Sunday school. You know, we can train up our kids and maybe my kids can come and lined up sitting over here. But if they don't have an emotional connect to me, then there is no love. They can just function like robots. Okay. Another example, someone that you love dearly. For me, Preeti, my spouse, my wife. If, if your spouse is picture perfect, okay? I'm not saying any spouse is picture perfect. Sinful people, we're not picture perfect. But in case if there is someone who's picture perfect, okay? Helps at home, does everything expected, buys grocery, you know, even for a pick, they line up smiling, you know, everything is perfect. But if there is no love, if there is no love and there's no emotional connect, then love is missing. Is that true? And it's interesting that we can actually connect this to how we love God. So how does, you know, I just want to say this love for love to be loved. There must be emotion. There must be our affections. So how does loving God emotionally look like? How does loving God emotionally look like? There are multiple points after this. I will not show that because we'll all read it. Okay, so as I go through the message, I will put it out there and it'll be there in the WhatsApp for you to look at. Okay, you know, how does emotionally loving a ch your child, a dear one or your spouse look like? You want to spend time with the person, right? You want to understand the person. You want to know what makes a person tick. What does a person like? What does a person not like? To be there and to care for. It drives me to act where I want to be an encouraging husband or a father. These are things even I'm at work. I'm, I'm working on these things too, okay? But to speak kind words, to provide, to ache when away. Similarly, you know, emotionally loving God means I want to know him. <laughs> I want to know him. I want to enjoy being in his presence. Right to a point where I actually want to spend time with him. 
read his word, talk to him, tell others of his love for me. You know, the psalmist says in Psalm 84 verse 10, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a servant. I would rather be the doormat or I would rather be the gatekeeper in the house of my God than to live the good life of the, uh, the homes of the wicked. There's emotional world there. Psalm 42, 1 to 2, 2a says, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you. I thirst for you, O living God. You know, brothers and sisters, when your love for God is highly emotional, now listen to this clearly, okay? I'm going to repeat this. When your love for God is highly emotional and it drives you to act in a certain way, not because you have to, but because you want to. Why? Because you dearly love God. Isn't that amazing? Church, do we, do, do I and you and all of us sitting away, do we long to be with God, to spend time with him, to hear his voice, to reason with him, to talk to him? And his presence brings you immense joy like a dear one. You know, how does loving God look like? Another, and another thing is, it looks like the love that the Lord had shown for me. I'm just saying this is just one of the many ways, okay, just for us to connect. God delights in me. If you look in Psalm 18 verses, 18 verses 19, it says, he led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. God does have affection. He delights in us. Do you and me delight in God? Do we really delight when we've been talking about him? Let it be in our, you know, when we're having a meal, when we talk to our friends, when we talk to our kids, when we talk to our parents, you know, do, do people see that, you know what, actually he, you know, you know, this person loves God, delighting in God. But at the same time, we keep in mind that God not only delighted in you and me, but he also acted in his mercy on our behalf. And today was the, you know, the worship was all about what God had done. A holy God, a holy God, you know, how much he sacrificed for each one of us, right? In his mercy acted on our behalf. John 3, 16 and 17. Kids, I, you know, we, we hope that you would know this verses all the, day of the, all the days of your life. It says, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Absolutely. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. You know, what is our response? Do we love God emotionally? Do we act on his behalf for his name's sake? You know, you see a need for God's people. You see a need for the sake of the gospel. You see a need for various ministries of the church. Do you act on his behalf? and says, Lord, you did this, this for me, and I want to do this for your name's sake because I love you dearly. Loving God personally look like? We looked at emotionally two ways. Personally, how does it look like? You know, the greatest commandment is to love God, not love things about God. Okay, I'm just going to bring the difference over here. You know, normally people are like, he's a good teacher, good prophet. Yeah, religions, right? Different religions say that he was a good prophet, right? He's a good healer, by the way. God only heals. You know, oh, he's just a loving, merciful God. You saw you can love God, but, you know, you can, you can love things about God and not love God. 
you know, our tendency is not to love the person of God, but to love the more tangible things that relate to him. He answered my prayer. Oh, I love him. He gave me a job. So I love him. Oh, you know what? I was waiting for marriage and the Lord brought the right person. You know, I love him. You know, those tangible things. Sometimes we associate that as loving God. You know, danger, church, is what we often equate loving these good things with loving God. These good things can become idols also. Right, And we think that we are actually loving what? Who? God. Just a few examples of what, um, you know, sometimes we, we assume we are loving God. Loving the Bible. Mm. You know, we as a church love to teach the word and we want everybody to study the word, right? But sometimes some individuals love the Bible as a literature. Knowing the Bible is good, church, without biblical knowledge or love is ignorant emotionalism. I've been trying to get this word since I've been preparing, but here goes, okay? Um, But loving the Bible does not mean you love God. Hear, Hear clearly. Reading the Bible does not necessarily mean you're hearing the author. Pharisees knew and loved the Bible. How do we know that? When you look in John chapter 5, 37 to 44, this is what Jesus says. Your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. And they knew the Torah. They knew all of that in and out, but they did not love God. Brothers and sisters and you know, all of our dear ones attending CBF today, do we stop with the words or do the words carry you into an encounter with the author during your quiet time? Is there a true encounter between God and you during your time with the Lord? Or is it because you're scared that someone is going to ask you? You know, your time, your devotion time, preparing for a Bible study for our cell groups. Do we encounter him in those, you know, those intimate moments? Or does he become just part of your knowledge? How is our personal pursuit of knowing this one? Personally, personally. Not emotionally, but personally. You know, loving God, sometimes people associate that with loving worship. You know, loving our spiritual gifts and talents. We have Rina and, and, and Ronnie and, and Sajin and Jenny, all of them sing, and they have a talent. And sometimes we love this talent so much that we associate that with what? That we're loving God. Isn't that true? Yeah, I think we all kind of, we all kind of know that, right? Some people love to worship worship, you know, but they don't worship God. Some of some people love to come to church early when the door is open and meet up with people and they think that I'm loving God. Love the fellowship, psychological effect that, you know, fellowship and music has on people. Some people love to be busy bees for Jesus, but they forget to sit with Jesus, forget to sit with him, forget to hear his voice, forget to encounter with him. And there are multiple instances in scripture. The focus remains on them, not God. How they feel becomes more important, not whether God is praised or glorified. Now, how does personal love for God look like, brothers and sisters? Two words, true obedience. Loving God is not the same thing as obeying him. Love is the basis for obedience. If we love God, then yes, we do obey him, but there's so much more. Then God becomes our greatest joy, our deepest desire. Then out of his love for me and my love for him, then I act in obedience. 
personal demonstration of God's love will look like. Second Corinthians 5.14, it says, Christ's love, Christ's love compels us. Christ's love controls us, right? It is your love for Jesus that controls every aspect of your life. John 14 verses 15 says, I'll read the first portion. I love you guys to say the second portion, okay? If you love me, you will keep my commandments, yeah? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. First John 2, 4 verse says, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. Is not in him. Brothers and sisters in church, personal love for God must result in true and full obedience to God in every aspect of our life with all our heart. And I just want to take it back to that slide. Um, sorry. Yep. With all our heart. That means with all our thinking and our affections, with all our soul, with our desires and our, with our feelings, with all our mind, with all of our understanding, and with all our strength, with our energy and power. By the way, we are not called to like God. We're not called to like God. We're called to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, and with all our strength. You know, God is not content of our leftover scraps of our affection. I know this might seem a bit difficult, but he's not, he's not excited about, you know, there's little, um, there's little bits of affection and love that you put for him here and there. You know, God is a goal of our highest affection. God is the goal of our highest affection. Now let's move to the second part of this, of this, of this message. You know, the, the scribe asked which commandment, right? You remember that? It's a singular word, but, but it's, a singular, um, it's a singular noun over here, okay? But Jesus can't stop at the one greatest commandment. He says, you can't love God without at the same time loving your neighbor. 12 verses 31b. Now, the question that comes up is, yeah, the question, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Now, if you look in the normal dictionary, what would you find? You know, the person probably sitting next to uh, someone, the person across the road, Sam's neighbor, the next door, 301, 305, 402, 111, you know, all neighbors, right? Student, um, uh, students who go to college, you're, you know, your neighbor. But sometimes we might be good to them, okay? Because we have to live in a community, right? You know, and sometimes we are compelled for it. But I just want to bring another angle about who is my neighbor. You know, uh, I'm not, by the way, I'm not a Greek um, person, okay? Um, you know, but this is a bit of the research that I've done. I know there's many of you who, have, who, who know it, but the term that I like that they've used is the other person. The other person. Who is the other person? You know, Jesus says the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor slash the other person. You know, Leviticus 19 verses 18, we went through it. You know, it says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite. You know, just interesting, right? Fellow Israelite. Why should I bear a grudge or revenge, brothers and sisters? Why is revenge and grudge mentioned over here? 
it's because there seems to be a sense of hatred towards this other person. It could be sometimes an enemy, someone that you dislike or you've started to dislike, or it could be someone that you, you would kind of just keep away and that person repels you, you hate that person. Leviticus talks about Jesus is, you know, the, uh, the, the, the portion is saying that, you know what, if you have a revenge or a grudge against him, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, meaning you will not do any harm to that person. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? You know, here is a Samaritan, though he was despised and hated by the Jews, he functioned and respond, responded in a way that reflected the love of God. A Samaritan. He loved his unknown neighbor or the other person as himself, even putting himself at risk and pouring out his resources, glorifying God. Brothers and sisters, you can't love God without at the same time loving your neighbor, the other person who you do not like. Everybody, each one of us might have one or two people who might be coming to mind. It could be probably a friend. It could be probably um, uh, a person, a child. It could be probably your parents. It could probably be even your neighbor on the street, the other person that you just don't want to show love. And Jesus says, Love your neighbor slash the other person as yourself. You know, love for God, how does loving God look like? You know, love for God necessarily leads you to love, to show love for others too. You know, 1 John 4, 20 to 21 says, if anyone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. Now, love for God necessarily also overflows into action for others. You know, today we, today we, we looked into those angles of this um, passage from 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. Is our action, including myself, I'm asking this question, is my action for each one of you and for my family, for my children, for my spouse, and even the most difficult of it come out in the action mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 7. It says love is patient and love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins it out. Love never gives up. Even to the other person, it never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. Is our love for God emotional and personal? Is our love for God in true, act, in true um, action, does it come out as obedience and love for others? You know, Jesus knows the tendencies to love the abstract. Brothers and sisters, if you do not love your neighbor, the other person, you do not love God. I know it hurts but it says that you do not love God. Watch how we speak. Watch how, how we are with each other. In general, I'm saying, okay? You know, if you listen to the way how we speak about each other, about our fellow church members, our siblings, our parents, our bosses, our residential neighbors, people in authority, our government, including those who could persecute us, if you listen to them, we will know for sure. Do we really love the other person? Do we love our neighbor? 
Do we reflect love and grace of God? Or are we critical and judgmental, unforgiving and people of strife? If that is, you know, we need to really examine ourselves. You know, our goal as a church is what? To be the salt and the, and the light in the community, right? Your emotional and personal love to God should not only move you to obedience, but also move you to action. God demands from you and me to love others with the same self-interest and self-care you give yourself, just like the Good Samaritan. As you care for yourself and as you have the same interest for yourself, you know, let your love be beyond that, as that you would give yourself up, just exactly what Jesus did for us, right? Let me tell you um, uh, the truth and the story about a sister called uh, Rachel Saint. Um, this dear sister that you see up, and kids, you can look at, you can look at um, Sister Rachel Saint. In 1956, you know, five missionaries, you see, the, you see the young men on the right side, probably in their 20s to 25s, probably. Um, they were speared to death and killed uh, by the Urani people in Ecuador. Uh, two of them we know is Jim Elliott and also Nate Saint, right? Rachel Saint, that is Nate Saint's sister, considered herself after their death, after these five men were speared, she considered herself spiritually bonded to the tribe. And she wanted to do something way beyond of her greatest desire for this tribe. In the summer of 1958, after two years, keep in mind, okay, these are her enemies. People who could even spear her and kill her. And even probably Jim Elliott's wife. But... Rachel Saint returned to the and together with Elizabeth Elliot, they continued to evangelize and to show God's love. The demonstration of the cross was seen among 2,700 people, the Urani tribe in Ecuador. In 1959, they moved into the Urani settlement where five young American men could not move as missionaries they were there. They could not move into the heart of the Urani tribe. The Urani tribe welcomed Rachel Saint and um, Elizabeth Elliot into their midst, along with Elizabeth and Jim's daughter. She continued in her labor to the Lord and developed the dictionary for the Urani language. You know, she was died and buried in their midst in 1994. 2014, 2014, just a few years back, the Urani tribe received their first New Testament. And what you see is the script in new version of the Urani tribe. You can go search it, you can read it. Okay. Rachel Saint need not have gone there, right? Isn't that true? Need not have gone there. Why should she love the other person? Why should she show forgiveness to the other person? Why should she show God's love to, uh, to her neighbors or a community that doesn't understand what God's love looks like? Well, she lived it. She lived it. And because of that, there are many believers among the Urani tribe. In fact, there is the church moment happening among the Urani tribe. One young sister called Rachel Saint. When people love God supremely, they will start loving their neighbors supernaturally. That's exactly the gospel, right? 
You know, the greatest commandment also points us, as we come to a close, points us to the need for a savior. There's no doubt about it. On our own, we will not be with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. On our own, we will not be able to love our neighbor, the other person as ourselves. You know, either we can be like the, 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 uh, the religious leader who asked all these questions, but at the, at the end of it, it seems to be that he's moved on. He's got some inputs, but he's moved on. If there's any one of you sitting over here, you know, we as a church, you know, we want you to know this God who gave himself up for you. You know, you and me need a savior. You and me need this God who demonstrated his love. You know, he was emotionally and he was personally obedient to point of death on a cross. But when he saw you and me, you know, he was able to love you and me to a point where he had to be crucified for, for your and my sins. Whoever is sitting here, if you don't know Jesus, it's clear you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need the only one who has actually sacrificed himself for your sins. Let me also tell you um, another incident that happened in Germany. Many years ago, um, a painter by the name Stenberg um, lived in Dusseldorf, Germany. You know, he was painting. Um, the church had given him huge sums of money to come up with an artwork. Okay, you're not going to see any artwork there. Um, but this artwork had to portray the crucifixion of Christ. Okay, so he was being an amazing artist. Um, he started to draw. But through time, he started another portrait. So he had invited a gypsy girl to come into his studio to also be the subject of that portrait. So you have one portrait here, another portrait right there. And here the crucifixion of Christ is happening. The moment this gypsy girl, Pepita, used to come to the studio, she always used to look at this crucifixion of Christ painting and ask him a lot of questions. She asked him, who is this? And then Stenberg used to say a bit more. She said, why are they being so rude to him? What did he do? And Stenberg again used to explain a bit. And she says, why are they humiliating him? Why? And she kept on asking, asking, asking questions. And um, they asked him, what, is, what are they saying? And saying to him, and they were, he Stenberg replied, crucify him, crucify him. After Pepita's portrait was all over, that portrait was over. You know, she asked him, you must love him very much, don't you, Stenberg? Because the way and the detail and the shadows and the coloring and the lighting and all of that, you must love this man very much for all that he's done for you, don't you? Stenberg then had to make a sit down and says, you know, he explained the gospel he never believed to this girl and says that I'm just doing it for money, nothing else. Pepita, the gypsy girl, went home. But this words of this gypsy girl kept running in his mind for you. All this for you. And if there's any one of our dear ones sitting here who do not know Jesus, this is what Jesus did for you. He did everything that no man could ever do. He laid his life out for you. The wages of your and my sin was death. But he bore that entire penalty of death and redeemed us to the point. And he did that, all that for you. You know your name. He knows your name. You know, after that, um, this painting, Behold the Man, 
Echo Homo, it's known as, was hung in the public gallery in Dusseldorf, Germany. Just a bit of history, Stenberg was so moved by these girls' questions that later on he found the gospel and he committed himself to knowing the Lord Jesus as his personal savior. Pepita, on the other hand, when during the, during she, she was in a girl in poverty and uh, Stenberg, once he came to know the Lord, went and explained the gospel to her and she also came to know the Lord. By the way, this is not a legend story. This is the truth. Many years later, many, many years later, a noble man passed to the gallery at Dusseldorf. Standing in front of the picture, Stenberg had put down these words, all this I did for you, now what will you do for me? That was the, that was the probably narration underneath the echo home of the crucifixion of Christ. A nobleman looks at it, and the words arrested him and challenged him to throw his life, his fortune, and fame at the feet of Jesus. You know, he was he, you know, his name was Count Zinzendorf, the father of Moverian missions. Amazing, right? Zinzendorf played a huge role in the life of Charles Wesley, too. Church. For all that Christ has done for us, what will we do for him? Will we just love him with our knowledge or with our emotions? Or will we love him personally? Will we love him in true obedience in everything that he has done for you and me? For those of you who are seeking the truth, for all that Jesus has done for you, will you turn to him? Will you turn to him? As we conclude, you know, we as a church and as elders, we, we encourage you to be deep-rootedly, be emotionally and personally rooted in your relationship with the Lord Jesus. You know, let people see and experience that Christ's love is the one that compels you. Let the love of God and obedience move us to action. Let CBF be a church that loves our neighbor, the other person, and prays for them. Let it, you know, let our love for people, let's love people with the same self-care that we wouldn't want any harm to happen upon us or the self-interest for ourselves, denying ourselves the way that Christ loved us. Let us love God supremely and love the other person supernaturally. Forgive. If there's lack of forgiveness in our midst, maybe not within ourselves, maybe with, you know, the, maybe there might be history behind the scenes with people in your lives. Forgive, forgive. That's the way that Christ loved us. Church, we want to encourage you that even if you do not get anything out of the message, that's, that's fine. But love God. Love God. Love God in a way that with all your heart, that is with all your thinking and in your affection, with all your feeling with all your mind with your understanding and with your strength with every energy and power that you will love god but at the same time you will love your neighbor the other person as yourself god demands our highest love and our deepest obedience god demands our highest love and our deepest Obedience, love God, church, love God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, and with all your soul. As we um, 
as I'm going to pray, um, I would request us to all rise up, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you. All I once held here. And even as we sing this song, just reflect. Reflect about what we heard. That truly God demands our highest love and our deepest obedience. Let that be our prayer as we sing this song. And then we'll pray and close. We confess that, that by your mercy and by your grace, Lord, that you've loved us with such an everlasting love, Lord that you would lay yourself up for us on the cross, Lord, on such a cruel, wicked cross, Lord. Oh, Lord, of how your greatest desire is that even the Jews and including us and every Gentile in the world would know you as the one true God and would love you passionately, Lord, would love knowing you, the greatest thing, the greatest truth ever found. I want to pray for us as a church, Lord, as members of, the, of our dear ones visiting today, Lord. We pray that we truly, truly love you with all our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and with all of our soul, Lord. In our flesh, it is difficult, but by your spirit, it is possible. We pray that we would love our neighbors. We would love the other person as a way that we will love ourselves, just exactly the way you loved us on the cross, Lord. We want to thank you that the greatest commandment is so true that we need you. We need you. Without you, we cannot follow any of God's commandments, Lord. And we pray for many of our dear ones who would have walked in not knowing you. And our prayer is, our prayer is that they would know you, Lord, as the one true God. They would, they would commit themselves and surrender themselves out, Lord, to you, Lord, and confess their sins and repent with their mouths, Lord. Know the need for a, for a savior, for a sinner, and they would accept you as their personal savior, Lord. That nobody would walk out today without knowing you. We pray for all that we heard today, Lord. We pray, Lord, that our greatest love will be for you and our greatest obedience will be towards you. That we as a church will be seen as a salt and the light in this city. Not because of who we are, Lord. It's because of who you are in the midst of us all, Lord. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for ministering to me and to all of us as a church and even to our, those who are listening, Lord. Help us to love you with all of our heart with all of our strength, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, and to love our neighbor, the other person, as ourselves. In Jesus Christ, most precious name we pray. Amen.